We're back. Hello. It's season two. Lockdown two. Lockdown three. three. Is it three? I didn't really notice when lockdown two was. I think because kids were in school. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's another year. Another lockdown. Another podcast. How exciting. Moderately. <laughs> um. And we've got a different idea. A different for format. This time round. Season two. We need you to suggest films that hopefully neither of us have watched, and we'll watch them. And we'll give our feedback. Our unconsidered opinions. <laughs> yep. So, first film we're going to do in season two is Harry Potter, The Prisoner of Azerbaijan. Azkaban. Ah, yes. Azkaban. As you can tell, we are we are both... Muggles in the world of Harry Potter. I genuinely don't know what that means. I'll tell you later. Um, anyway, let's hear from the guy who has suggested this film to us, who is just a stranger from the internet. He's called Chase. And as you can tell, he's not British. I've never met a British person called Chase. Chase is the name of the dog in Paw Patrol. So let's hear four or five minutes from him and why he thinks this is the best film ever. Hey guys, this is Chase from Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. Uh, first of all, just wanted to take a minute to thank the I Wouldn't Watch podcast for giving us a few minutes on their show with them today and getting to share, share the stage here um, to really promote one of our favorite franchises that they're going to be breaking down, and that's Harry Potter. Honestly, this franchise is the juggernaut of fantasy. And um, over at Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy, just to give a quick breakdown of what we do is uh, we really focus on fantasy fiction franchises. Uh, a little bit of the difference between I Wouldn't Watch Podcasts and us is today they're going to be breaking down a lot of the film side of Harry Potter. If you want to see a really in-depth dive on the books, uh, that's really where we come in. Uh, but just a little bit of a breakdown on why I love Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban so much is it really sets itself apart in the franchise. As far as one of my favorites goes is Hermione Granger. This is really the movie where you get to see her step up out of her shell and step up for her friends. Uh, actually, it's really a big part in this film where, you know, everyone kind of seems like all hope is lost. And she comes out uh, from, you know, kind of nowhere and saves the day. And it's someone so unexpected, you know, someone you're not thinking about. And she comes out of nowhere and saves the day. Uh, and she really steps up out of her shell here from where she has been in the first two films, if you go check those out. Uh, you can really see her grow up. In fact, one of the scenes that I really love so much is where she, you know, punches Draco Malfoy in the face. Uh, and that was actually one of the better amazing scenes that has been adopted from the book, because the book, it was actually just a, just a slap, whereas um, in, you know, in the actual movie, she like punches him in the face, which was such cool uh, because it really shows like she isn't afraid to step up for what she believes in. Uh, this film has amazing action adventure and the mystery part of it that dives into it. Of course, you have the fantasy stuff that goes on, but as far as just keeping you guessing from beginning to end, that's really what it does, and it really throws you for a loop. So really one of the first ones in the Harry Potter franchise to do that, really the first one uh, to do that in the Harry Potter franchise. Um, I gotta say, you know, it is absolutely phenomenal watching the visually stunning CGI and, and just the settings they have in this film. For instance, just the moment when Harry uh, flies across on his broom over the Hogwarts lake is absolutely visually stunning. Or you get to see some of the most amazing magical creatures in this film, like the Hippogriff. Um, you know, those are ones that really set themselves apart in through this entire fantasy franchise. But it really tells the moral story of just what you've been seeing from beginning to end of this franchise is, you know, one of the three always at some point always steps up for the other and never gives up for what they're fighting for. So it's a big thing about perseverance. One of my favorite other characters that's a really powerful role that you don't get to see much in this film as much as you should is Albus Dumbledore. 
and right when our three heroes are down, uh, he does tell them, you know, you can still save more than one life tonight. I'll leave you with an Albus Dumbledore quote. Um, he always says, you know, happiness can be found even in the darkest of times. All one has to do is remember to turn to the light. And that's really what Hermione Granger does in this film, and Harry does in this film, and even Ron, when he's in the hospital, you know, thinking that his friends, how do they still have a plan up their sleeves? And that's what happens is, you know, these two, Harry and Hermione, don't give up fighting until the very end. And on the side note, you get to hear one of my awesome favorite spells, Expectro Patronum. So they're going to give you a breakdown on that. And with that, I'll turn it over to the I Wouldn't Watch podcast. Once again, I'm Chase from Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. Uh, feel free to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere you get your podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. Mine's rbrow, R-B-R-O-W-129. Or you can follow us at Official Ridiculous Patronus or look us up on Facebook at Official Ridiculous Patronus. You guys enjoy the show today, and we'll talk to you soon. And we're back. Thank so, you, Chase. Thanks for that. Here we go. It's nice to have a, a proper like film geek on. Yes, because he has his own podcast. Yes, and if you guest. are like a proper Harry Potter film geek... You shouldn't listen to this because we don't know you what we're talking to about. The end of this, and then go and listen <laughs> to his podcast, which is called Fact or Fantasy, mm, and it's very in depth, super in depth. We listen to a bit of it. Um, they know the, their stuff, yeah. and we don't. We are not here for that. We do not fulfil that niche. But that's not that's not the point of this podcast. Uh, the point is how d- how did you how did you find this film? I honestly don't know. I've never read any of the books. I've never seen any of the films. This is my first Harry Potter film. So this is The Prisoner of Azure. And it's the third film. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick fact for you. It's the only one of the films not to gross over $800 million. So it's a failure. Oh, really? That's what I just read. It's actually Harry Potter and Hermione's fave film. Apparently, it's the best one. A lot of people say it's the yeah, best yeah. one. Um, it just goes to show money doesn't make you happy. No, wait. <laughs> Happiness doesn't make you money. Uh, <laughs> it just goes to money. That show doesn't happen, you go. It was okay. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> and we're back. Smashed it. There we go. Yeah, it was okay. So I've read the first book ages ago and I've seen the first film ages ago but my sister was like a super Harry Potter geek which is why I think I didn't really get into it because I was like oh that's her thing she's three years younger the Harry Potter geek sister um, which was kind of the perfect age she's like the same age as all the cast well the children you know, Harry Potter. And also she was like much more into reading than me. She was like one of those people that queued up at midnight to get... Do you remember the giant yellow book? I feel like it was book five, but it was re- it was it was really big. The giant yellow book. The AA roadmap. The AA roadmap. Yellow pages. Oh. All right. Um, yeah, she queued up to get that book and then like read it in three days. and So... I read a summary of this. So we watched this over two nights because the world is going mental at the same time. Um, and I read a summary of the plot and I was like, what? I don't remember that. What? I don't remember that. What? Um, so some stuff happens. and But, I, I mean, the thing that struck me was it's probably really great if you are already in that story mm. or if you're that age I'm like almost three times as old as the lead character and I just felt like mm, okay 13 year olds who cares 
sometimes, not all the time, sometimes I was like, hey, look, there's a funny looking dog pigeon. Oh, I did like the dog pigeon. That was fun. So should we try and briefly summarise what happens in this film? We can try, yeah, this will be good. Um, so There's too, a bit too many characters, I think. You said it's year nine. Yeah. At uh, Magic Eaton. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, cool school. That was cooler than my school. Yeah, like, right. even just aesthetically, like, the the staircases and so And, like, that gallery wall where... I'd love to go to a gallery where the, the paintings talked and things. You know what that is, love? That's a cinema. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they've trapped um, Dawn French in a picture on the yep. wall, and she's a door. Yeah. Um, at the time, Dawn French and Lenny Henry were still married. They're no longer married. Sorry to break it to you. Yeah, because they're both in this film, but I don't reckon they'd even have to have filmed anything together because she was stuck in a painting and he was a, a like a head, a shrunken He's head. He's a head on the Cadbury bus. Yeah. I do... <laughs> I do love that. Love what? That there's a mad head that talks on a mad bus. Yeah, it's got a weird Rasta action accent. I can't tell you anything. Like the bus just turns up. So at the start, Harry's living with the Dursleys. Yeah. Who are mean to him. And fat. And fat. And we're supposed to like be on Harry's side. This was part of it, I think, because I haven't seen the first two. We're just supposed to be on Harry's side, and I was like, okay, but. Fat people are bad. <laughs> it is the message of Hollywood <laughs> that we've been learning over our films. Fat people, baddies. Sorry, Hollywood teaches us it's true. Um, and then, because the lady's not fat enough, with it's not obvious that she's a baddie enough, Harry uh, gigafats her, makes her super fat. Mm, that was quite Matildery. I thought, that bit where he was like angry and like looking at her, and then she just, something bad happens. So it starts with that, and then he sort of walks off because they badmouth his parents, and he's made his is it his aunt into like a a human blimp. And yes, then he he like storms out without a clue and is and with his bags, and then the Cadbury bus turns up very fortuitously. Maybe it has done before in the other films. I do like that bus bit where it squeezes between the other buses. Yes, it did. That would be handy. It's just it's a pretty it's a cool bus. Just buy a Twizzy. But I want three stories. Buy three Twizzies and stack <laughs> them. There you go. Problem solving. And um takes him to the Ministry of Magic, pack him off to Hogwarts, and that's sort of like it. That's not the end of the film. No, that's not the end of the film, but like That's the end of the bit I followed. <laughs> then some bad stuff happened. There was there was a pigeon, a giant pigeon, a giant dog pigeon. They went back in time. Yeah, and then it was all okay. Yeah, some of these things were difficult. So I felt like the back in time sequence was actually worked out pretty well. I'd be interested to read it. To yeah, see if it it's read interesting. Well. Time travel is is interesting. But it was quite a convenient plot device. And also, it there just wasn't enough lead up to it. So Ron and Harry, I think, two or three times discuss, how does Hermione keep getting to all her classes? Because they're frightfully posh. Or she, she sounds mm. posh. And um, I was like, oh, maybe she's cloned herself or something. I don't know. Uh, but it turns out she's got a time travel wizard's necklace that somebody we don't see gave to her and but only like small scale time travel i assume because yes. i think if you could go back in time why, why don't they go back to the beginning and stop harry's parents dying or yeah you know go back even further and stop hitler's parents having sex yeah but then i, I had a, i read an interesting discussion that said if you went back in time and killed baby Hitler, nobody would know he was about to turn into Hitler. So you would be the awful man who went back in time and, <laughs> and killed, killed a baby. baby. <laughs> nobody would be like, oh, thanks, mate. You just saved us 
they'd be like, "What are you doing with that baby, you murderer?" Yeah, that is a that is a good point. Yeah, I'd never considered that with time travel. There's many time travel paradoxes, <laughs> um, and this was one of. I so I thought the time travel stuff was interesting. It was done fairly well. It enables them to save the dog pigeon, who then sort of becomes helpful later on in the film, but. It just felt like a bit of a. Oh, that's a. Not, I thought it was fun. It. I thought it was, uh, like it was clever. The bit with, um, in the first time around before they've time traveled, something falls in the wind. Something gets thrown at them, and they're like, "Oh, what's that?" And then, then the second time, you realise that they're throwing stuff at themselves. Yeah, so I thought that was done well. But I thought plot-wise, it just felt a bit like handy. I'm okay with that. Fine. I did have one other major plot irritation. Yeah, I've got I've got a few. Go on. Should we do plot irritations? Yeah, go on. Um it's where people write half a conversation and then that's the end of the scene. So what happens is Harry gets this magical map, which means he can see everyone wandering around Hogwarts. Um in live time, mm. like the um, like Google Maps, but like GCHQ and the NSA have of us on our phones just wandering around, mm. like the government spies mm. on us. He mm. gets one like of those. in the Men in Black. Do you remember that? This is going back. Excellent <laughs> film. Yeah, it was a good film. I'd watch that just recreationally, love. <laughs> Whoa, um, they like zoom in on somewhere like Google Maps. Oh, yes, but he it's does. but it's live, and his his wife is like Agent watering K her flowers. He's been in a coma for thirty something years. Anyway, <laughs> that film's better than this one, in my <laughs> opinion. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, the plot hole, right? So he's got this magical map. He goes round and he sees Peter Parker. That's not his real name. And he picked a peck of a pickled peppers. peppers. And if he pecked a pickled piper of pooping peppers. Where's <laughs> where's the peer of pooping peppers that Peter Parker pipped? He sees this guy, Peter Pettigrew. Uh, you you aren't a nerd, so you wouldn't have got the Peter Parker as the name of Spider-Man. Oh. My favourite Peter is from the IT crowd. <laughs> Do you remember that obscure reference? Which one's Peter in the IT crowd? <laughs> like, give me your email address. <laughs> <laughs> and his name is Peter File. <laughs> like Peter File. <laughs> Sorry, Peter. So this this person's wandering around a map, and Harry goes to find them because he knows something about them. I don't know. Plot, plot, plot. And then he can't find this person. You know, he comes he comes face to face with where they should be on the map, uh, where they are on the map, and should be in person, but he can't see them. Mm. We later learn it's because they're a rat. But oh yeah, um, Alan Rickman turns up because this is our third in the trilogy. Yeah, I was going to say this is our third in a row Alan Rickman film. You had a good question about Alan Rickman. Does he always appear in films with Emma Thompson? Yeah, because I've seen him with in three films with him. There was one like olden day film. What do they call that? Period drama, yes. where him and Emma Thompson got married and it looked kind of inappropriate. Right. And then in Love Actually, they were married and it looked fine, apart from he was a. And idiot. she had a background part in Die Hard as a terrorist. So no, she didn't. No, she didn't. No, that would be amazing. Though, wouldn't <laughs> it? Yeah. So that is the third film I can think third of. With Alan Rickman film. So Alan Rickman turns up. Out of nowhere, as like a "What are you doing, Harry?" kind of thing. With What's his, voice. his character? Snape. There's just a bit too many characters, right? Help me out. Okay, there's the yeah. beardy one is Gr- Gruffalo. What's his name? <laughs> Gryffindor. No. Hagrid. Oh, nothing. Nothing. Gruff- no, no. Okay. Hagrid, and yeah. he's like goody, definite goody. Yeah. Okay. In this film. Dumbledore. Old Headmaster Wizard. Okay, fine. Wanders around. There were some that weren't obvious, good or bad. So, like, Alan Rickman, he's Snape. Yeah. Is that 
definite baddie or just like a bit? I think just a bit baddie. Like I said, I haven't seen the other films, but I get the feeling from what I've read and what I've heard, he's sort of a like a semi baddie who comes good. I might be wrong. I don't know. Go and listen to Chase's podcast if you want to know all about it. Okay. Or watch the films or read the books. Through. And who was that other guy? So the guy who turns up behind Snape, also out of nowhere, ex nihilo, for mm-hmm. no reason, is Remus Lupin. Yeah. Played by David Thewlis. Uh, I thought it was really good. Anyway, uh, <coughs> so Thewlis, uh, sorry, Lupin, which should really have been a giveaway because he turns out to be a werewolf and lupin is lupine where we get wolf from the latin Mm. root so i should have spotted that earlier i was a bit i was a bit annoyed at myself that i didn't read through that one anyway uh lupin confiscates the map because off snape who tries to confiscate off harry and then harry says oh i saw this fellow peter pettigrew wandering around and uh lupin goes that can't be and that's the end way it wouldn't happen in real life if you just said you can't possibly have seen that person i would say why you know okay interesting the points that i had (laughs) the plot holes were mainly the plot issue i had is um harry potter gets into quite a lot of fights and stuff over all his years at Hogwarts. He's always people are trying to kill him and you know, like some big stuff happen. Right. But he's the whole way through has like the same pair of glasses. Well maybe they're magical. It doesn't make sense. And actually in I read in filming he got through hundred and sixty pairs of glasses. For all the films or just this one? Yeah, all the films. Wow, that's a lot of glasses. I mean how many pairs of glasses did you get through so the time scale is between like year seven and sixth form. Right. I mean, maybe like one every other year. Okay. I remember I I broke one when I was doing a big forward dive roll over a bush and landed on my <laughs> face. Well, that was stupid. Um, and did you go for like a different style or did you go for the exact same style every time you had classes? Oh, yeah. I went for those little Goebbels machines that you've got. <laughs> no, I, um, I went for... Glasses... Fashion would change over th- over that time. Even if he managed to not break them, he would at least, like, try out a different style. Maybe he knew that was going to be his look, though. You know, some people <laughs> are just confident about it. You know, like Tom Allen talks about being dressed in Victorian dress <laughs> at, uh, when he was, like, 13 because he thought it would hide the fact he was gay. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Allen is... I'm not gay, I'm just a Victorian. (laughs) A very funny comedian that I really enjoy watching and listening to. Go check him out. It's one of the problems I have with Harry and fights. He's always getting into fights. He's barely doing any magic. He's a student Mm. wizard. He's getting, like, bashed around by a tree or whatever. Or a werewolf or a, you know, X, Y, Z. He's very rarely doing magic at them. It's like, well, go to what you know, Harry. Protect yourself with a magic thing. Do a magicking. Yeah. What were you getting up to in year nine? I feel like year nine is kind of like the worst year. Year nine? Of most people's lives. I was still on the mainland UK just before I moved to the Channel Islands. Oh. Um, and after I was, at, I was at a fairly rough school. Um, the year after I left... Two or three people were expelled for drugs. That happens at every school. That's not a rough school. It's just a school. Maybe you also went to a rough school. Nah. Nah. Um, and murder. <laughs> <laughs> Critiquing my roughness. Um, what were you into if it wasn't reading Harry Potter? I was into... Music. I was into quite a lot of music. I used to make mixtapes with a friend of mine called Michael Howarth. We absolutely smashed music quizzes in year nine. Oh, <laughs> me and him were undefeated. But oh, and he and I played an insane amount of squares. Do you know the game squares? Yeah. We draw dots you on are a piece good of paper. At squares. 
and then you draw dots on a piece of paper and then connect them and if you make a square you get to draw an extra line and basically it's like who can get the most squares mm. we played like 30 game series of squares through all the different lessons where we sat next to each other it was nice. a fun time it was quite carefree I liked running and rugby I don't know anyone that's had a carefree year nine it's all like hormones and do you think Harry should have got police protection when it was like oh there's a killer on the loose uh, he's trying to kill you instead of police protection we'll get these like spooky black ghosts around the school that was a bit far-fetched wasn't it yeah all of that with the like wizardy bed sheets i wasn't really caught on so they're called dementors and they're meant to be looking for serious black and it's not really explained why they keep picking on harry like it's it's dumbledore i think says something about oh if the if you get in the way they'll have a pop at you or something but they didn't they went to the train that Harry was on and sucked Harry's soul out of his face. Yeah, it's not, not nice. Well, yeah. Not I on mean, a train. I mean, the school was a bit like, oh, we've just put loads of these around the school. <laughs> Feel free to wander around, Harry. <laughs> um, and then it, another plot hole was apparently, oh, the f- Dawn French says, oh, no, I've seen Sirius Black. He's in the building. And what do they do? They lock all the doors, shut everyone in with the killer. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. Go outside. Lock him in, and send the send the spooky bed sheets in to get him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's. It's not. You don't call the police fair. and go. Oh, a killer's just broken into my house. I've locked myself in here <laughs> with him. <laughs> that that is true. That is true. I also think they need some more risk assessments going on at that <laughs> school because that is such a dangerous school in every way. Like in the lessons, as if you would have a lesson with like. A, a crazy pigeon dog and then f- like fly on it and stuff like that with like no harness like I'm not into health and safety but you're really not like that school was over the top I don't suppose that the Ministry for Magic is like as a subset that's the Ministry for M- Health and Safety <laughs> and they Magic sh- They sh- do you think they're not Ofsteaded we're rated Ofsted wizardly good. Ofsted uh, uh, magical. Mm, just for taste, Ofsted is like this thing yeah. that inspects schools. Mm. I feel like we should explain for any foreign listeners, we have talked about a lot in season one, the snog to death ratio. And I feel like yeah. snog is a very British word. That means... Getting off of someone? <laughs> In Ireland, they call it shifting. Shifting? Yeah. But in anyway, it's kissing. Like that car went past. He was kissing, shifting. Kif- kissing with tongues. Kissing with tongues. It was a snog. Um, I didn't count any snogs in this There was film. a bit of hand-holding. <gasps> you know what? The bit that I thought would have been great was, do you know when Harry was wearing the invisibility cloak thing? Right. And he was crying... And so Hermione, <laughs> Hermione went up to the, the invisible crying boy and sort of like put her hand out in a kind of gentle, loving way. But I was like, it would be really funny if she's accidentally touched his penis. <laughs> he was sat down, but if he'd been stood up and she'd just grabbed <laughs> him by the crotch. <laughs> Harry, stroke, stroke. Uh-oh. Um, I've heard, right, I've done a little bit of Googling there are some there are some kisses in some Harry Potters. So apparently Don't care, not this one. Ginny and Harry kiss. Ginny is the little sister of Ron. Don't don't know who that is. Ron and Hermione kiss. That was a bit more obvious. They got them holding hands this time, but in that kind of awkward thirteen year old Oh, I'm holding hands with someone I like. I'll stop now. <laughs> um and Harry kisses a girl called Cho Chung. In one of them. Okay. That's what I found out when I googled Harry Potter snogs. About the um, about the pigeon dog thing, right? Yep. Would you have it as a pet? No. Okay. So, why is it such a big deal 
to off it. it. That moment is really built up in the film. There's music and and there wasn't that much of an emotional connection between me and the pigeon dog for it to <laughs> for it to be such a big moment in the film. Maybe it's a big moment in the books because you've spent 100 pages getting to know this animal. It's hard when like 800 people are dying of COVID every day to care about an imaginary pigeon dog. It, it is, <laughs> yeah. I mean. Do you know what bit I thought was cool? Go on. Um, I like the bit where there was a little choir singing whilst holding frogs or toads or something. I would love to be in a choir of toad holders. Because <laughs> I've been in a choir before. I'm not very good at singing. But I think I'd be better if I was holding a toad. I thought you were going to say, I think I'd be better than a toad. <laughs> yeah, I reckon I would be better than a toad. Hark how the bells ring, silver bells. <laughs> That's the, literally the first song I could think of. Um, they wrote a special piece, double, uh, Bubble, Bubble, Toil and Trouble, from the Scottish play, which we should not name. Not Beth. That's the one. You have brought COVID on us <laughs> all. Um, no, I'm joking. Uh... That John Williams, who did the music, and the music was pretty good. Let's be honest, John Williams is excellent. Um, wrote that with a quote from Macbeth, especially for that moment for the Toad Choir. Oh. Another bit I enjoyed was the bit where they were having a lesson where they had to do spells on things and they had to think about the thing that they feared the most. So, for example, like a giant spider, and then they had to make it do something silly like wear tap shoes. I don't know what the lesson was on. So that's Mr. That Remus Lupin, who is uh, oh, Romulus and Remus as well, are the founders of Rome who were suckled by wolves. He's got a... Suckled. <laughs> Suckle do you mean breastfed? Yes, so the, that's the history of Romulus and Remus. I never say I'm just going to suckle my child. <laughs> well, you're not a wolf, my love, so I mean, honestly. So it's a double wolf name. So he's teaching, like, s- wizard self-defense. Yeah, I thought that bit was fun. I think I found some individual bits of it fun. Like, I like I liked the time travel bit. I liked the bus bit. I like this scene that I'm talking about. Maybe I just don't understand enough of the full story to get into it enough for like, oh, who's that guy again? Oh, I don't know. Um, but I was going to ask you, what do you fear the most? Ooh. And how could you make that silly? That is good. So one of the kids conjures a tarantula and then puts roller skates on it. Oh, I thought it was tap shoes. No, so the spider's tap dancing is when Ron wakes up from a nightmare. Oh, Okay. Um, what do I fear most? I mean, how serious are we getting? Go deep. Go deep. Um, I fear dying unfulfilled. Well. You said go deep. <laughs> Make that lighthearted, okay, comedian lady. How would you, how would you even picture that? Uh, Just a dead man kind of in a, Right, still writing procedures. Oh, let's not <laughs> reference the actual job. <laughs> see, I've sent that to see. I sent the link to my colleagues. How would I picture it? Probably me die, me on my deathbed. Writing s- procedures. <laughs> probably me on my deathbed, still wishing I'd done those things that I wanted to do. Okay, now make that mad. And then I <laughs> farted so hard I died. Great. <laughs> I don't know what the point of that exercise. Well, we're was. definitely going to subject you to it. <laughs> don't don't act like that bit's over. What do you fear the most, um, my love? I do. I do still have a a bit of a fear of like burglars because we were broken into once. It's a weird fear because it's like. It's not that irrational. Like, the chance that we'll get broken into at some point. I feel like we probably will get broken into 
another time in our lives. So, the last time we were broken into, we weren't in the house. And it's unusual that people break into the house that when people are occupying it, especially, well, in the UK. Well, when, no, when I was a student, it happened once. Okay, and I was yeah. in the house, but I was asleep, so. That's all right. <laughs> I'll stop trying to rationalise your fear. How can you make it ridiculous? Um, I guess a burglar, but his head is a jelly. Lovely. Bloop, 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 bloop. I think you've just cured me. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> um, Have you got any fun facts about the film? The ending is rubbish. <laughs> oh, sorry, fun I meant more facts. general about all the films. <laughs> well, why didn't you say that? Um, No. I have. Of course you have. I know I'm setting you up. Do you know who the director was? Alfonso Cuaron. Mexican director. Okay. His daughter is in it. There's oh, a baby in a one of the pictures. Yeah, that's cool. Tess. Um, Hi, Tess. So, do you know who started off directing it and gave up after a couple of months? This film? Yep. Uh, Boris Johnson. Oh, maybe it was the first one. Could have been the first one. Um, Steven Spielberg. Really? Do you know what his... Uh, reason for giving up after a few months? He got irritable bowels. No. He said it wasn't challenging enough. What? <laughs> I know. I'm going to stop. It sounds like making this film is too easy. <laughs> yeah, because it was like a kid's, kids film, but I think he just couldn't go with the kids. That's like me phoning up school now and being like, please... Please take my kids into school. Um, I can't homeschool them. It's not challenging enough for me. <laughs> like, that is a lame excuse. What an exceptionally strange thing to say. I know. Have you got any more exceptionally strange facts for um, us? Yes. Um, Robin Williams wanted to play Hagrid. He's ace. Was ace. That's the beard guy, right? Yes. Yes, um, but J.K. Rowling wouldn't let him because she insisted that all of the people must be British. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, she should re- she really have that much of a say? It's her book. It's not her film. Yeah, but it. I think she didn't. I think initially, I read lots of things about her being like. Oh, I don't want merchandise. I don't want this. I, you know, I want to keep my story pure. But I feel like she has become a bit of a sellout over time. Well, she's got more money than God now. The same, yeah. She's the first uh, author to be a billionaire. Wow. Yeah. But she does apparently give a lot away. There's a musical. Did you know that? Oh, of course, there's a musical. Yeah. Can you imagine? Watching twelve-year-olds pretend to fly broomsticks in a musical—I literally fun. cannot think of anything I wouldn't watch more than that. <laughs> um. uh, no, 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 no! <laughs> I have arranged this pandemic so I don't have to take you to any more musicals. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. I, by the way, I really want to go and see loads of music. When this is over, like I'm having like musical withdrawal. Like I need. I'm going to have just a year of being an extrovert, just having loads of parties, having people around all the time and going to things all the time and you're going to come with me. Two things. Because we've had an introvert year and that's your dream. No, 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 no. Right, two things. One, you can take your sister or my sister or a lady person or a man (laughs) person who wishes to go but not in a weird way. (laughs) Two... This is not an introvert year. This is a yes, global is. pandemic. This is your dream year. Oh, yeah. This is my dream year. <laughs> right in Vesetus. <laughs> While 60,000, 70,000 people die around us. The world burns. Hooray, anyway, introvert year. Anyway, you interrupted my fact. Um, Michael Jackson actually wanted to make it into a musical a long time earlier than it was <laughs> made into a musical, but he wasn't allowed to. <laughs> Oh, I wonder why that is. Um, Another fact. There were 250 animals in total in all the films, including a hippo. That's a cool fact. Cool. Yeah. 
Vestages. Oh, this is a good fact, right? They genuinely trained an owl to carry letters for this film. How far? I don't know. Like, you know, from one postcode to another? What? How big was its postal <laughs> no, like route? Between, I think, like, not far. But still, that's cool. That's cool. Sorry, I didn't mean to belittle the owl. Imagine that being your job, being like, oh, what, what are you doing for for work today? Are you a key worker? Uh, no, I guess I'm not a key worker, but I was training owls to to hold letters in their beaks. That's cool, though. I respect that more than someone who writes procedures. Holy <laughs> Sorry. poopers. Back down, all right? I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> and seeing as it's paying for 90% of everything we're doing right now, you better show me some <laughs> flipping respect. <laughs> Just because I'm not an owl mm. with a beak full of letters. Little Miss Royal Mail. <laughs> In fact, the Royal Mail should get on this if owls can carry letters. Just an idea. Um, do you know Rupert Grint, who plays Ron Weasley? I don't know him, no. I've never <laughs> met him. I'll tell you what, though. Me and Dan Radcliffe, no. You're not going to respect my actual job. I'm not going to respect your actual facts. <laughs> Go on. Here are some ways that Daniel Radcliffe and I are very similar. Same name. Same name. Both glasses. Ba- glasses. Dark hair. Yeah. Incredibly <laughs> successful child actors. <laughs> Uh, Detroit Lions. We both follow the prevails of the Detroit Lions. Apparently, he has a girlfriend who's from Detroit. You were asking me if I knew Ron. Ron, yes. Uh, he can't bear to watch any of the more later films because it's just he finds it too awkward watching himself back at a younger age. But he finds it the first three are not as bad because it's further enough away to be like, oh, I was a child. Would you like to do a credit shout-out, my love? Let's do a credit shout-out. It's time for the credit shout-out. Shout-out! Shout-out! That's what this podcast is all about. We big up a person with a silly job or name. Like shoe coordinator. This is bound to lead to their future fame. There was a lot of stuff to see in the credits. Um, four of five, four out of five draftsmen on this film were women. Oh yes, there was a specialist researcher, Celia Barnett. A researcher of what? <laughs> it's a made-up book about wizards. <laughs> what specialist researchers? Oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. You know this one. There were assistant directors. There was a second assistant director. There was a co-second assistant director. There were third assistant directors and an additional third assistant director. I counted ten extra directors. How bad must this director be? (laughs) Oh, we've got some of my favourites coming up, actually. Sorry. The facial hair maker... I love that! ...was Sarah Weatherburn. You were talking about the owl trainer, but imagine telling someone what your job is. I'm going to be credited as the facial Facial hair maker. maker. I would love one of these obscure jobs on a movie to see my neck to like go. Do you think she was invited to the premiere? I sort of hope so. And like went down the red carpet in like a in a beard dress, (laughs) in like her own thing that she's she's woven from a real beard. (laughs) Well, then we had. That'd be so good if it was just like a furry mothball dress, and they'd be like, "Oh, who is this celebrity? Oh, it's it's the hair it's maker, Sarah Weatherburn, of course, the facial hair maker." We definitely try and find her on, on I, socials. I sort of hope that she goes to the cinema and is like, "That's me, that's me. Look, there's my that's yeah, me." Of course he would. Um, I yeah, but underneath her, someone who arguably stole the thunder, it just said. Teeth supplied by Chris <laughs> Lyons. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. I mean, just imagine this guy just walking around, just all gums. All gummy Chris Lyons. He just hey, donated I'm Chris Lyons. <laughs> I love that. What do I do? <laughs> I'm a tooth supplier. <laughs> We're just giving his own teeth. <laughs> Like, uh, on 
my sister's a doctor and once she was working in Papua New Guinea and she had to give someone her own blood. Is that the same? No. <laughs> no. Like, obviously, we're not idiots. We realise that they're <laughs> fake teeth that had to be supplied. Oh, I do, ruin it. But that is a brilliant. It's just, it's not in even like <coughs> dentist, Chris Lyons. It's tooth of high time. Do you think Lyons. he steals them off children? From under children's pillows. <laughs> yeah, it's like he, he gets there before the tooth fairy. Imagine was it filmed in England? In Scotland, lots of it was filmed ah. um, on location. I mean, you could you could tell it looked locky. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was lovely. Like, that bit of Scotland looks beautiful. It looks very cold a lot of the time. Apparently it rained a lot in the filming. Um, I read that. I can believe that <laughs> with Scotland. Because it's Scotland. Um, yes, they built a lot of sets up in Scotland. Um, apparently Hagrid's hut is now on the side of a hill in this film and it wasn't in the previous films because they were building sets outside in real places as opposed to on a soundstage in Shepperton or wherever they were filming. It'd be fun to be in a Harry Potter film. Like, probably quite, really a lot of hard work for, the, like, the main characters. But to just be, like, an extra, that would be a good laugh. Yeah, or one of those school kids who doesn't say very much. Yeah, that's what I mean by an extra. A, a one-line school kid. Oh, yeah, that'd be pretty fun. What did you think of the Quidditch stuff? Do you think that looks fun? Like, I'm not into sport, but... If I was, a Quidditch would be my sport, I reckon. Um, I am into sport. It looked like rubbish broom hockey in the clouds. I just... Fun. But also needed a risk assessment. Yeah, they should have had a net or something to catch them rather than yeah. relying on the headmaster to be alert enough to... Mm. Um, to see somebody falling and stop the race. did have one other criticism of Harry Potter in general. Yes. The names for the spells are lame. Oh, when they say stuff. Is it Latin? No. Kind of pretend Latin. Yeah. Like, by all accounts, she J.K. Rowling, who wrote the books, has written an incredibly deep and engaging world that loads of people love, and I don't want to be attacked by them. But they're all sort of like lame, describe what you're doing in a fake Latin-y sounding way. Names. Like one thing that's... Okay, what, if you were going to do a spell that would make a burglar's head turn to jelly, yeah. what name would you give that? Well, I mean, I feel like J.K. Rowling would go Jelly Armus. Yeah, I was going to say Jelly Armus. Well, it's not the arms, is it? Uh, Jelly Edmus. I just felt like some of the spell names just felt a bit, just just a bit lame. Like, the rest of the stuff displays an incredibly vivid and powerful imagination. And then it's like, Arrestum, or whatever the spell was that Dumbledore shouts. It's not a big complaint. Okay. It's just a little, yeah. like... I did quite enjoy it. I guess if we were going to watch a Harry Potter film, we should have started at the beginning and gone through and then get Yeah, into Chase. It. I Ugh. feel like we might get into it as we go along. So like as we get younger. No, with our kids. So like now they're just into like Roald Dahl and stuff, but I feel like in another few years they could get into the Harry Potter I think in a couple of years we could read Harry Potter. If you start from the start, it probably makes much more sense. So, yeah, because yeah, the first one is a is about Harry and how he lives in this little cupboard under the stairs, which I thought you could relate to because that was your office once for quite a long time. Um, I've had to fight so hard to get out from under the stairs. Yeah, so I think you could relate to Harry Potter. So I reckon I could get into it. Maybe I'll watch. Maybe I'll watch some of the films. Maybe I'll even read one of the books. Great. Okay. Yeah, I think that probably does it for me. What about you? It was a great cast. Don't you think like a lot of famous people. 
yeah, loads of, well, you said before, um, British actors from all over the place. We almost didn't spot Emma Thompson for a minute. Oh, yeah, I know, because she looked crazy. Sybil Trelawney, the minister for, the teacher for divination or whatever. Um, But yeah, it it had loads of very famous British actors in it. I think Emma Watson is quite cool. She's done a lot of, she's said some stuff. She's she's quite a feminist and like, she seems pretty cool. I reckon we'd be mates. Yeah, you were you were impressed with her hair. Yeah. Oh, do you know what my favourite line was from the um from the film? Nope. Um when they went back in time and so they could see themselves from earlier. Yeah. She was like, Is that really what my hair looks like from the back? And I thought that was relatable. Yeah. There's one bit where she got upset and stormed off and I was like, Yes, that is the most thirteen year old thing that's happened in this film. <laughs> Um, one of them's got upset and had a strop. But Why did none of them had spots though? If they're in year nine, like none of none of any of those kids had l- acne. Yeah, or like any kind of like voice breaking. Anything did they have braces? Did any have braces? Oh no, they Maybe. all had very good teeth. I think a lot of them, thanks to Chris Lyons, donating <laughs> all his, his excellent teeth. teeth. What film have we got coming up next week, Dan? We have got Jojo Rabbit, recommended to us by Sarah and Luke, which I'm quite looking forward to, actually. Yep. So season two is a little bit different. If you have got a film that you really love and we haven't seen, send us a suggestion, uh, a message on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And we could be watching your film next week. See you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.